0: Greetings, everybody. Happy summer. Gosh, I sure hope your day is full of love and kindness. As I say all the time in this broadcast, if we lead our day with love and kindness, so many positive things will happen. I firmly believe we can change the world so fast that we just started with love and kindness. Every conversation, every issue we took on. I think you could solve so much with that. I know, what do you think, Sandy? Is that a good philosophy to be leaving into? Oh, to?
1: God, do I love to hear that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I figured you we would. We are
1: one of the same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I figured you would. I am thrilled with this conversation today. You folks, everybody here that's, that's on the treadmill, hiding from your boss under your desk, driving, whatever you're doing, taking this in, you are in for uh, a fascinating conversation today. You are in to take a journey with me. And with my guest that I don't even, I, I, it's hard to find the words. I, I We've connected, we've talked, I've had the good fortune of getting through to her book and seeing what it's all about. And her story is a trip, folks. It really is. And we're going to get deep into the weeds about some things today. And hopefully, as we always do on this broadcast, I'm not interested in telling you what to think, but I sure as hell want to make you go think. And I think we're going to do a really good job of that. So without further ado, I want to make a quick introduction, let her share a little bit about her life with you as well. But This is a wellness champion, kids, beyond doubt. She is an author. She's got three books out there now. One book is called Get Along with Anyone at Anytime, Anywhere, which is like love and kindness. Talk to me there. (laughs) Dancing Through Life with Guts, Grace, and Gusto. And the book that we're going to talk about today is A Toxic Brain, Revelations from a Health Journey. And this is really going to open your eyes. She's a speaker. She's a coach. She is truly powering the world of wellness and well-being. Please, everybody, give it up for my friend and it is an absolute honor to have her here. Sandy Strauss, welcome. Thank you for being Thank here.
1: Thank you so much, Todd. And it is, this is, I've, I love to write, and I write about things that really fire up my passion. And I have to say, um, this was a work of absolute commitment to raising awareness of what's happening today.
0: Yeah. Um, this, is, this, is, it, this is unlike, I mean, I've heard you on other pods, Podcast, and, and I've had the good fortune to look at this book. I've spent time talking. I mean, you and I just BS for thirty minutes before we even started anything, <laughs> catching up and talking. And not only is this story so powerful, but the way you the way you tell it and the the why. Of how you tell it. And I think that's an important thing to think about in this, the why. Why are you telling this story? When we frame this up and we draw everybody into this, I think, like I said, people are going to be blown away. But before I go into my 5,911 questions that I have and get down this trail, would you mind just kind of introduce yourself a little bit? Because you've got a background in the produce trade. You've been around I do. Since, you, know, you have I, some I, stories to share.
1: Oh, I have many stories to share. <laughs> and I so love please. my time with the produce industry. Um, basically, my background has involved... Um, Really promoting wellness issues, um, also defining things that are relative to health and to happiness and to um, our well being. And so um, so yes, produce was a big part of my life for about 10 years. I was in charge of coordinating the generic promotion of fresh fruits and vegetables through what was then known as the Fresh Pro Program. And I yeah. loved it because that was my bailiwick is that I could do whatever I felt was necessary with a very limited budget, I might say. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, I
0: can relate to that. But
1: it's a lot of fun because people need to know, that especially now do they need to know how critical fruits and vegetables are um, and, and organic organic foods for their health.
0: Yeah, 100%, 100%. Well, like I said, this the story that we're going to share with everybody is, is, as the title talks about, a toxic brain, right? But it's also a story of your husband, right. and it's a story of your journey that... I, I, journey. I don't even know if journey is, in my mind, the right word. I mean, it is beyond. I mean, it is an, it's an adventure of a lifetime. It's not. It's craziness. It's it, You listen to the story and you go, huh? Why? How's this? How's that? So with that being said, I'm going to dive into the book. Obviously, we want to talk about it, but I, I want to throw a few things out there to get people kind of wrapped around this conversation, if we can. And One of the things I thought to open up with the question to to, to really get this ball rolling is is what's the focus of conventional medicine today in America?
1: Well, conventional medicine um, really was established back in the early 20th century. And um, it's a medical model that is focused on looking at the symptoms, um, not the underlying root causes of things. And so they're really good at acute infections and trauma cases, But when it comes to chronic illness, they're not really set up with the right tools right now in order to do that. Um, But it really focuses then on treating symptoms. And so people can have a medication and it's usually based on medications or surgeries. That's kind of the model that they use. Right. um, So that is, so what we're dealing with now in our um, it's conventional medicine is using 20th century tools for 21st century chronic illnesses. Wow. And, and what I found out through this is that we need to uncover the root cause in order to heal, because otherwise you're just throwing pills, as they did at my husband. I guess I should, should I back it up a little in terms of
0: yeah, know. we can I, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. You say whatever the hell you want to say, girl. <laughs> I'm here just to listen and to support and to throw my questions. But yeah, I mean, I, one of well, the questions. This, I go ahead. The,
1: the story had so many different pieces to it, and so I'll back, I uh, I'll back up and saying, um, at 59, my husband, as far as I knew, was in perfect health. He, in fact, he had only gone to a doctor about six months before, and he got a clean bill of health, and so that was fine. But one morning I awoke to find him with tremors, just shaking. He His behavior, he was always very grounded. Well, he was like in a different dimension. He had um, an oozy rash all over his body. Um, he, he had difficulty opening his eyes. And so there are all these symptoms that I had never seen before. Right. And so- went to the doctor and said, oh, you're going to have to go to the hospital. So we went to the hospital. He was, um, you know, reviewed with all the conventional tools of MRIs and um, CAT scans and blood work and, you know, nothing was revealed. And I go, well, wait a minute. (laughs) There's something obviously going on here because he was definitely dealing with some behavior issues that I had never noticed at all before. And we were right. married for 30 years. I mean, you know, a long time. You
0: kind of you kind of figure it out by then.
1: Kind of had known this was this was unusual. So um so it took a year to just going to specialist after specialist trying to find what what's going on and no one could determine. They kind of honed in on the psychiatric issues, the behavior issues. But I said, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't include why he can't open his eyes or why he's got this rash or what's he, he had these weird abdominal thrusts, you know, all of a sudden you go like, I go, what's that? And no one could explain or put it all together. Right. So um, fortunately, this, I have to say, uh, was met with some really I think divine interventions at times, but um, was led to a functional practitioner. He was, a, he was actually um, an internist, but he was uh, very intrigued and had been doing a lot of research on toxicity, particularly biotoxins. Mm-hmm. And it was there that they found that my husband was genetically vulnerable. As it turns out, 25% of the population have poor detoxifying genes. And what this means is, when you get environmental exposures, um, you're not able to easily detoxify them. Your body just is compromised in doing that. So what happens is they continue to build and build and build. And so that's probably what happened is the toxic body burden, just like all of a sudden manifests and my body can't do anything more. Um, but it did demonstrate that toxicity was at the core, wow. um, because these functional tests are biomarkers that are linked to inflammation, and that's what was going on was tremendous inf- neural inflammation that was causing all these strange behaviors.
0: But how many? Wasn- Good. No, well, I'm sorry. that
1: wasn't confirmed. That wasn't ever confirmed in convention.
0: Right. Well, and and so. When you started and you started to see these changes, how many different directions did conventional medicine take you? I mean, 10, 20.
1: Oh man. I lost count. Um, I mean, because it was
0: meant, because it was mental, right? They're like, was, oh, he's got psychiatric
1: yeah. gastroenterology, right. gerontology, internist neurology. Um, we went through a lot and then we repeated them because we went into um prestigious hospital repeated the same type tests the spinal taps but, you know everything else um and nothing was revealed so this this was the key is when nothing is revealed they oftentimes think well must be oh. psychiatric right or it's you know psychological or something i said no it, you know <laughs> This is not one of those cases. I know that may be something, but it it definitely was linked to underlying causes, which were not being properly evaluated. Yeah. And when I brought up, when when I finally learned that we are dealing with um, biotoxins, Lyme disease, mold, um, and then he also was tested for heavy metals. And he was, again, very high in lead very high in uh, mercury and some of these other, you know, heavy metals, toxic metals. And also when you put put it together, um, he had 20 years growing up, um, basically in his father's leather factory, the house was situated right by the leather tannery and all the chemicals used in the production of tanning hides. And so that's what he used to jump in tanned hides as a kid, and then sure. this ongoing exposure to chemicals, to toxic metals, to um, the mold that you, you know most people don't know that there's a lot of mold that could be hiding in their houses, or Absolutely. that they got, they got bit by a tick. That's a whole nother thing. Lyme disease is is challenging to diagnose and, and treat. So,
0: how long was this? I mean, how long was this this journey? And, and I mean, this was not two months. This was oh, how no. many years?
1: And twelve. 12, twelve years. Not twelve years seeking specifically answers. We really. So what happened is, while I got answers about the biotoxins the first uh, little over a year. And I was, okay, clear, totally made sense because he was manifesting the, the symptoms that I outline in my book, okay? It, that, it was there. It was It was like, it made sense. I didn't like the fact that it was what it was, but at least it made sense. And, and then he continued to be tested. See, conventional didn't accept functional. They didn't accept. Right. It. And so they kept denying, they kept putting him on, um, you know, medications that weren't getting. They, ca- they had him on so many different chemical cocktails and, you know, he had probably polytoxicity, which is a combination of all these toxic sources and interactions of drugs and everything else happening. But so um, he was admitted to a state mental institution as long result of, he hipped me out of his care. I mean, it was really a bad situation. Lost, lost his rational thinking Right. And um hipped me out of his care and took away my power of attorney. So I was not able to to serve in any capacity. I was actually legally blocked from doing that. But anyway, when I finally got guardianship of him, um, the doctors then would talk to me and um, they said, you know, we've done all these tests and we we just believe you're dealing with psychiatric issues here. We're going to try more combinations of drugs and he'll be back to you. And I go, you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> At that point I had learned about the detoxification protocols and other things that he should have been doing. They did not allow those things in the hospital and he was there for six months. So, um, and that was, that was what I met with was a lot of resistance um, because they're not trained. I mean, the, Basically, um, conventional medicine is trained a certain way. They're trained to look at symptoms and come up with diagnosis based on it. But um, they're not trained to look at what's underlying that. And so right. it was sort of like, well, we don't understand that. So we're going by our, our model here.
0: Right. Which, of course, all these years later, and then ultimately, Rick succumbed to what was happening in his life um, because he was just toxified, basically. So a couple of questions I want to throw in. And one of the things that came from this is is, um, a conversation around toxic Alzheimer's, which I don't think I'm going to guess that the people listening to this probably never even heard of that before. Um, It is legitimately real. It's out there. It's a part of this conversation. It's something that I, I didn't understand or know. It's like, holy crap. So going to throw two part out there you know let's talk a little bit about what a toxin but what is toxic Alzheimer's if you wouldn't mind just to kind of give everybody a little bit of the frame up of where you kind of ended in all this
1: well um again this whole journey was putting together puzzle pieces yeah and so he was diagnosed his last year with Lewy body dementia right and Louis body dementia, um, they didn't really know much about it. In fact, I'm surprised that no one really thought much about this. Um, so then I was, I was okay, okay, so that's what he had. That was the diagnosis. I know it was caused by toxicity and other root causes and it manifested as Louis body dementia. But then while I was writing this book, I, was, I heard a podcast, I'd never listened to this podcast before and again, divine. Um, and there was Dr. Dale Brederson, the author of The End of Alzheimer's and other um, books. He's a brilliant brain researcher. And he talked about the different types of Alzheimer's. It's not just where your memory fades. That's, that's one type of Alzheimer's. But the type that he was talking about was a toxic type. And of course my ears went up at that. I ordered his book and I'm reading and he had a listing and I have him also in, in my book, I asked permission to use it. Um, and it described the characteristics of toxic Alzheimer's. It usually strikes early. Um, there are certain biomarkers, which fortunately I had, I had all my husband's lab work and and he aligned perfectly with toxic Alzheimer's. So then I reached out to Dr. Bredesen, who was kind enough to, you know, to offer some insights. I said, look, if they diagnosed him with Lewy body dementia, at this point, he had already passed, my husband passed in 2016. And so this was now 2017. And and he said, you know, you, you can actually manifest different forms of dementia. So you can have the tau tangles um, of of Alzheimer's at the same time you have what are called Lewy bodies in your brain and so they manifest you know there's different symptoms. The thing with Lewy body which is different from other dementias is there's a characteristic which I did not know again until after he died but I think it's important for anyone that might be dealing with this or they're hearing, oh, that sounds, you know, sounds like grandma. Um, he could do what was called showtime, which means he was in assisted living or skilled nursing different times. And um, like my sister would come and visit, and and he would like be conversational. He was asking questions. And it's like people go, oh, are you sure? Right. <laughs> you sure he needs to be here? And it's like, yeah, you know, this is, just, you know, after again, again, another thing that I did not know, um, but I did put it in the book, that Louis body that is uh, is really one of the characteristics is that you can kind of show up. And of course his, uh, another interesting um, background about Rick and his case is that his career was working on toxic tort cases yeah
0: this is what just this is this is when you when I you first told me that and was first I was like listening to I heard you on a podcast you know and I I shared this my mouth dropped it's like what this this is what this this guy was a guy fighting for all these people that were getting screwed over whether it be a specialist or whether it was whatever it was he was their champion and now this So please tell a little bit more about what he did. And I don't want to interrupt you, but it's like, holy shit. It's another thing of like, I can't, this is
1: crazy. It it is. It's um, he was a a vocational rehabilitation specialist. So um, what he would do is he would be called in by attorneys to work on wage loss, generally wage loss of, of if you, Um, no longer can go to work and you're 50 years old. You know, what's the long-term, you know, salary and everything. So he would work on that and he was brilliant at it. And and attorneys just loved to go. They said, you had the right evidence that we needed to win that case. So he was working, yes, on asbestos cases. Sick building syndrome. Now, sick building syndrome um, is usually water damage, mold it uh, could be some of the chemicals that are used in carpets, paint, etc. So he was working on a class action suit for EPA's own sick building. And that is when, you know, just discussing this case, this was long before his brain went yeah. down. But I would say, okay, this does not make sense. Why would some people, working sometimes right next to a person who could no longer come to work, why could they not come to work and others it didn't affect them and when i found that my husband wasn't able to get off the sofa i got it and that is because the genetics 25 percent of the population are genetically vulnerable so if they're sitting in a building and it's got mold in it or from water damage or it's got you know all these chemicals um, it can impact them, but it's not something that conventional goes after. So wow. you need to look at the root causes. And wow. what was what was even more interesting is that he had his private litigation business, and I had to I had to turn away his business, and I had to eventually close his business because it was obvious he was not coming back to it. Um, and so I would t- go through some of the files to see. Uh, you know, did I need to keep this for any reason? And what was interesting is that those symptoms that they were dealing with were many the same symptoms of my husband.
0: I'm telling you, this story is an absolute, it's
1: it's wild. Todd, I say it's a story for our toxic times. Yeah. My realization was that this was not a rare case that they couldn't figure it out. And I thought, oh my gosh, it must be so rare. They just have no idea what they're right. dealing with. But in fact, when I once I got toxicity, I understood that. And then I'm looking in the neurology offices and I'm looking at the hospital hallways and all those people. And I'm going, whoa, I wonder if they might actually be dealing with this. Yeah. In fact, there was an interesting experience when he was um, he was hospitalized and he was sharing a room and um, my uh, someone that had just shown up telling me about the possibility of toxicity in causing these problems. When you hear about they don't really know what might be the, the reason for this. A lot of times it is these root causes that are not being explored with toxicity being one. So, um, uh, I was reading this book, um, which was written by Dr. Shoemaker um, called Desperation Medicine. And describing these similar symptoms and experiences. And when he said, if you've been diagnosed with an autoimmune issue, if you've been, you know had depression, if you have anxiety, a lot of these cases are actually linked to toxicity. Yeah. At that point, this roommate opened the curtain between us and he said, I've been here getting my brain zapped off and on for 10 years. I live in a house with mold. You know, I wonder if this is my case.
0: Yeah, it's it's overwhelming to hear this because as I experienced in the journey of, of, of connecting with you and getting a part of this people just don't get it. They don't know. And it's not that they don't, I shouldn't say don't get it because that's mean, but they just don't know. They just don't. uh, It's, it's, it, they're not put in a position in a lot of ways and you've described it so eloquently and I can relate to it in my own life with my son. Um, They just, they, they go, they go where they know to go and they stay in the lane that they're told to stay in through conventional medicine and they're stuck in that lane. And that's as far as they go. You know, I think about this with my son, my son was sick when he was 17 and he was diagnosed with brain cancer. You know, it's it's kind of a, a shocking experience as a parent at that age, at any age, but it's a pretty shocking conversation to have. We took him to a, to to a hospital here in California, and they worked with them, and they said that the symptoms that he was showing are not in relation to what the brain cancer is. They said he was faking it. Literally said uh, that the symptoms he had that he was uh, faking. No, I can't bullshit. I cannot uh, bullshit that story. So I can relate so much to this story personally and in my own life experience, life experience in my family, all of it, we have to start to empower ourselves yes. to ask questions, to get more involved, to challenge what your doctors are saying, to, 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 to empower yourself. Because we have, we live in an, inf- we live in an age today that we have so much information that we've never had access to before. Right. And we're seeing it now in so many ways. We're, we're, things that people were doing behind the scenes are now coming to the surface. Right. And be like, you should be doing that. Right. Right. That's happening. And it needs to be the exact same way with our medical care. So you wrote this book, right. And I, and I said, in the beginning of the show, it's a, it's a, it's, there's two stories here and I, and I don't want to downplay, but it is, there's a story of your journey, what you went through with Rick. And this is, it's, it's mind blowing when you get to that, but it's also a story about our toxic times and what we're dealing with and what you've pulled away from this and what, what your experiences has taught you, but not only, not only the experiences you dealt with Rick, but let's be honest, your life has taken you on a path that puts you in a position to really grasp what was happening. You've got that perspective of what your background is. So talk to me, you know, if you can, why are we living in toxic times today?
1: Oh, well, our toxic exposures are unprecedented. Um, our food, our air, our water, consumer products everywhere, everywhere, we are dealing with so much toxic exposure on a daily basis. Multiple, I mean, the cosmetics, every, you know, everything that we, in our world, it is just not good for us, usually. Right. Um, it has some impact to us on, on health, but that's not, see, it's not been evaluated as to toxic exposures. And um, there is no safe exposure of some of these things like mercury, there is really no safe um, amount. Now here's my husband had a mouthful of amalgams. Right. Some of them um, are composed of mercury. Yeah. That is right near your brain. Yeah. And I also, I'll use myself as an example, being the baby boomer I am, I also had a mouthful of amalgams. And I developed a brain tumor and it was noted around the same time I was dealing with my husband. My mom was dealing with, you know, I was dealing with her and caregiving with her and her Alzheimer's and colon cancer and everything else. And then they diagnosed me as like, Whoa, but you know, you talked about your son. I had a dinner party and there were, there were actually I think seven of us at the table and four of us had or dealing with a brain tumor. So something is going on, you know, and that also, you know, there's, there's a lot of exposure now to things um, that can affect, you know, affect our brains. And that's why we do have to be very proactive. You know, I can't just sit there and hold my cell phone to my ear anymore. Yeah. Um, you know,
0: so... I, it- it's, it's amazing to me. And, and to, to come back around, I what to shared about my son, you know, it was amazing when I found different doctors and said, this is what we're dealing with. And they're like, okay, great. Well, get back. We, this is bad. We flew, we, we went to Boston to Boston uh, to deal with, with back there with the doctors. And when we talked to them, they're like, okay, well, we'll see them on. December 20th or whatever it was. Great. How long is the appointment? Oh, there's no appointment. He's coming back from surgery. we got to get this out of his brain. I mean, this is what's causing everything. So you get this difference of opinions. And I think that's, what's really my point that I want to make. And I think you illustrated beautifully. Don't be stuck with what they tell you and get involved and be a part of it. Because when you talk about toxicity, right? You clearly talk about, you know, our immune system and what it's doing to us and how our immune systems are under attack because of this. And we don't recognize it. So, I mean, talk about that a little bit when it comes to the immune system and toxicity, because it's a big part of what you talk about. And it's it's incredibly powerful.
1: Toxicity flares inflammation and foot. And then the inflammation causes a lot of dysregulation of the immune system. So you've got your body that's very unbalanced, then trying to fight off you know, various toxins, various, you know, pathogens, different things that are invading the body and it can't do the job. And that's why so many people now are being um, diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. Now, one of the, uh, initially the biotoxin researcher diagnosed my husband with toxic encephalopathy. I said, okay, what would you call this based on these biomarkers? He said toxic encephalopathy, but, there's a lot of other things, and this is again back to his background of these cases in the 1980s that started coming up, like fibromyalgia and chronic right. fatigue syndrome, and you know these these weird things that we had not heard about before, and now they've just skyrocketed in terms of the statistics because it, they're, they're really, if you think of it as like. Um, inflammatory, just inflammatory illnesses with different manifestations. So, um, you know, MS has a little different manifestation than, you know, lupus or something, but there's a lot of similarities. Um, But yeah, the immune systems are being attacked. And that's really what happened in Rick's case is that, um, well, of course, we have the gut brain and the autoimmune issues. And then that caused a neuroinflammation, which ended up in a brain disorder.
0: Right. Well, you know, neurotoxicity obviously is toxicity of the brain. Right. And, it, and I think that that's something that doesn't get discussed a lot. Um, and I don't think people recognize maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe I shouldn't generalize it so much. But, you know, toxins affect the brain. Uh, in a whole lot of ways. And I want to make sure that I, I just, and I, I don't want to leave this on the table. I mean, if there's something more that you want to bring up in regards to that. I want to make sure that we get it out there for people to kind of grasp because we're throwing a lot of information at people right now. They're getting right crosses and left hooks and a couple right. of jabs here and there. <clears throat> and they've got to be thinking to themselves, holy shit, what am I, what am I, what is happening around me right now? Which right. is why I feel your book is so incredibly powerful, but yet so valuable for people to pick up, read and go, whoa. Right. I mean, your book is a whoa moment. There's no two ways about it. It is a it is such a worthy read. It, it's it's quite frankly, it's frightening in a lot of ways, <laughs> Sandy. I gotta lie to you. It's like it's scary, right? And start to start to think about things in my past and you know, start to put, you know, put my feet in your path for a little bit. It's a trip, man. It's a trip. So talk a little bit about this neurotoxicity and and what you've taken away from that as far as your experience with Rick in the sense of like what you have learned that well, it, how again, powerful it is.
1: Neurotoxic is really uh, neurotoxicity is toxic assault of the brain. And um, the challenge is it again, it's not often viewed. It's not often thought about. Um, and I found, I found something after my, again, while writing my book, it was too late, but it, it really talked about how um, these things are not well assessed. Again, if you're assessing and you can look at the brain from a different perspective than just relying on the conventional methods. Now, there, there is um, a lot of new research and a lot of new things that have come up so that people can look at the brain and they just have to be able to you know, order some of these tests. Um, a volumetric um, MRI Is different from a regular MRI, and it can show shrinkage. It can show different parts of the brain that are being affected. Um, But neurotoxicity, yeah, with all of our toxic exposure, you know, it's linked. Neurotoxicity is linked to depression. It's linked to you know any really mental health issues, and because it gets back to the gut and the brain, and and there's such a connection there. And I know that you've talked about this on on uh, earlier shows, but the microbiome and all, we just, it's just, we have to look at it all. So, um, you know, the neurotoxicity is causing so many problems that can manifest in any, again, any number of symptoms. And so they might be, so a doctor might diagnose, oh, they've got MS when in fact, they're not looking at what caused the MS. It, right. and And actually with MS, Um, mold can show as unidentified, what's called unidentified bright objects in the brain on an MRI. And I had an MRI and I had them in my brain. And it turns out that not only Rick was a poor detoxifier, I'm also a poor detoxifier. So I'm very susceptible to all these environmental exposures. Um, Turns out my mom, I took my mom to the same biotoxin researcher. Turns out she had the genetics. Turns out other family members had them. So (laughs) we have to know, and this is something that we're not really looking at. We got to look at what's our susceptibility to these things. Right. And we don't, you know, genetic testing is, it's can be very valuable. Um, but it shows if you're prone, I did not know, I wouldn't have known that I was prone to this, but I also, um, once I found out we were dealing with mold, I tested for, you know, mold in the house. And sure enough, it was down in the basement where my husband had an office and we had a little water seep in, you know, during heavy rains or something, sure, Never,
0: whatever. Right.
1: there was nothing in the closet that mattered. So we didn't deal with it, but sure enough. That was building up and building up and causing inflammation, along coupled with all the other exposures he had. Um, And then, of course, it was building up. You know, I had the same thing. I was living in the house with mold and I had the same system. He had the most extreme vulnerability. Mine isn't that extreme, but it still makes me in that 25%. So, again, people don't know. This calls for really looking at. There's some very simple tests. These tests are not that difficult. They just need to be ordered. Right. Um, a heavy metals test can tell you, what are you dealing with? And it turns out I went, through, I went through all this functional testing myself. And it turns out I was high in lead, high in lead. I was high in some other things. And so I had to detoxify. I learned about the importance of detoxification. And of course, this is not something that conventional is really addressing. You need to detoxify but we yeah. really are living in a time with too much environmental exposure and if you know our bodies are building up too many toxins and it's called a body burden it's called your toxic body burden no doubt and, and then it, your body just can't it just can't operate everything it goes out of balance so
0: unbelievable well I want to get into functional medicine a little bit because I'm a big believer that it is quite frankly should be covered by every insurance company it should be a part of our, the American medical plan I think Western medicine I think modern medicine love it nothing against it I get it I understand what they are and it's it's a big business now and it's it's kind of a crazy business to dissect but functional medicine is also really important and you think about what you know let thy food, you know, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food, right? And there's a reason why that somebody said that thousands right. of years <laughs> ago, kids, right? Genius. I mean, they kind of, yeah, right. They figured it out. So, you know, when I think about functional medicine and, and I started to research this and you shared some stuff with me and I extracted something out that somebody said that you had shared with me, that there's 370 illnesses directly related to deficiencies just in calcium. Right. <gasps> so right. think about that, right? That's not right. three hundred and seventy illnesses directly right. related to a deficiency just in calcium. Right. right. And I think we've seen it through the pandemic with vitamin D and some of these other things that we're talked about. So with that being said, let's get into this functional medicine thing because I, I just you you, you It has to be a part of the conversation in our health system today. It has to be a part of what parents talk to their pediatricians about. It has to be a part of what we teach kids in school, why food is important, why taking care of themselves, why, you know, we need to start dealing with this folks. We just can't keep burying this, right? So how important is food in all of this? And how is it important? And even in relationship to what Rick went through? Well... Um, food is critical.
1: It is absolutely critical. And yet it's, look at what people are eating. We're eating so many edible food-like substances. Yeah. Um, and that's not going to nourish our bodies. We need 90 nutrients daily. We need 60 minerals. We need 16 vitamins. We need 12 amino acids. We need two fatty acids. We need all of that. And our food simply can't doesn't do it anymore because it's not for one thing of course as you know with the the produce today it's um, it, it the soil has just been deteriorated yeah. and um, doesn't have the nutrients in the soil to uptake those wonderful um, nutrients into the into the fruit or vegetable and so we're dealing with you know crop issues we're dealing with um people aren't eating people aren't eating enough fruits and vegetables they're looking at other things there's obviously a lot of processed foods people are dealing with convenience and and challenge for time um a lot of them just don't want to take the time to cook fruits and vegetables no. uh, or healthy you know healthy organic foods and so they you know they select and there is a lot of you know people running to fast food, and that's not going to provide what their bodies really need. The body was meant to really function and healthy, and yet we've got to supply the right fuel for it. And um, so, definitely eating um, anti-inflammatory foods, which you know now we know that fruits and vegetables are so important. And I, you know, I'm just so grateful for my background in promoting them, but. Um, it, we we've got to eat more, um, anti-inflammatory foods. And unfortunately so much of uh, there's so much education that's needed in terms of what to select. And I mean, even, you know, I try to stay up on top of things, but sometimes, you know, you, You know, you may pick, I picked up something one time and go, oh, wait a minute. No, we can't do that. Can't do those artificial sweeteners, you know, can't do some of the things that are put in the foods.
0: Well, look at the one now they just pulled up. They just came out with the art of one of the artificial sweeteners. Just, you know, been around for what, 20 years? And they're like, oh, hey, guess what? It's bad now, kids. It's the same thing they do with pesticides. They're good. Right, They're great and everybody loves them, and they talk all about them until they're not like, Oh, yeah, that's not good for you anymore. We're all guinea pigs here. We've seen it through the vaccine, we've seen it all the time with right. our food. We see with all the different things that are happening. Uh, you know, we were chatting about this earlier. You know, gene editing food is now coming, right? There, hey, we're all going to be guinea pigs on that, and so is the planet with things like that.
1: We have it's- to really get back to mother nature and all, yeah, and always because we've gotten. So far, you know, when we look at when did our health system start, when did our health start to deteriorate? Now, I was just a little while ago looking at um, a photo from the seventies, people on the beach, there was no obesity. Mm-hmm. And now the obesity rate is I think about two thirds. It's about yeah. two thirds of the population. Yeah, and, and that's a lot of the biochemical reactions and how all of this toxic and other inflammatory things are causing our bodies to um, to not function the way that they're designed. Yeah. And, um, and so, yes, but food is so critical and we need to, to, to really select the foods that are gonna also support our brain. Um, we need to understand the importance of fat in our diet. And again, mm-hmm. that was... When I was working at the Fruit and Vegetable Association, you know, that was during the whole, you know, the new dietary guidelines and, and they had, you know, different different things about, you know, try to eat low fat and whatever. Now it's been shown for your brain, especially, we need fat in our brain um, and, and not to be concerned with some of the things that we have been concerned with in the past.
0: 100%. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that, that I extracted are some of the stuff that you've said, we've gone back and forth with And I love what this what was said. It says the body will heal itself. This okay. is what natural medicine, homeopathic yeah. medicine, functional medicine believe. The body has some kind of spiritual or divine intelligence to heal. Yes. And if we feed it what it needs every yeah. single day. So when you think about functional medicine, which is to your point, vitamins, minerals, it's in, and it's also getting to the root cause. It's not, it's not, you know, you have, you have a, you have a, you know, a runny nose. Well, why? Oh, you have a cold. That's more than that. Maybe it's, you know, it's digging deeper into understanding. So how important was, was, and I want to make sure that we covered, I want to, hopefully we, people extracted a little bit about what functional medicine is based on what we said. I don't want to even, you know, but I'm sure people are pretty hip to it now in some way, but how important was, go ahead.
1: Well, I actually have this chart here, which I know you can't read, but what it does is it, it really shows what functional medicine is right. because it wasn't really around, like it, it is starting to really grow. But when I was looking for answers, no one said go to a functional doctor. I, I actually found one only through this biotoxin researcher, but there weren't, right. you know, weren't uh, many. So functional medicine is patient-centered. It's really a very personalized approach. You you get to go into the doctor and you sit there maybe 45 minutes, an hour talking. They go over a lot of information as opposed to your seven minutes or whatever's allowed in convention. The body operates as an integrated system, not just different. We were talking about the specialties before. And and I have examples of how you know what part of the elephant are you looking at you know Um, and so it's a totally integrated system. Gene expression can be altered. This is different because with conventional, it's like gene expression is not changeable, which means you can have a propensity to um, a particular malady. For instance, I. I am sensitive to mold, okay. But because I'm being very proactive in knowing what I need to eat, in doing the right exercise, in trying to you know do all the things that have been proven to support your health, I'm not manifesting those symptoms that that would otherwise um, probably be there. Right. Uh, Health is about vitality and with conventional health is the absence of disease. So it's, right. how do you feel? How, I'm all about vibrant aging. You know, I, it's like, I mean, I, I love the stories of people, the doctor that I just heard about, she's 103 and still practicing medicine. You know, I love stories like that because yeah. you have a life I saw through my husband, what life became at 59 dealing with a brain that's not working, dealing with no energy, dealing with no answers, your whole life is transformed. And we wanna take control and we can, that's what's beautiful about functional medicine because you really have to be responsible under the guidance of a functional practitioner to do the things that will support your vitality. Yeah. And then functional is focused on root cause, not symptoms. Yeah,
0: and I think I think that's so pivotal for people to hear is that you know, and and again, I'm not bashing Western medicine. I'm not. That is not the case. It's at all. We it's we gotta have it. It, It's got its purpose. But I think you bring up such a great point. Of is that it. That, that's the only thing is just go do that. That's the only thing I can do, right? I could go take that pill and that's going to solve. Because it seems like we spend so much time in this country creating medicine to mask symptoms and not solve problems.
1: They don't. They treat no. the symptom. Right. And, and that's why when you get into, and this is where food plays such a critical role. When you're fueling your body with the healing foods, with the anti-inflammatory foods, you know, and you're also taking up an exercise program, you're, it's, it's called lifestyle medicine. It's stress management. No, no question. We're all dealing with stress, but there are some things that we can do that will help us to manage that stress. And it's critical because stress ignites that cortisol, which causes, you know, a lot of inflammation in the body. So, um, so there are just things we have to we have to be the ones that say, "I'm not going down there." I I have my dad with Parkinson's, my mom with Alzheimer's and colon cancer, and I say to my husband, "I said I'm not going down that way. That's yeah. not how I want to age." No. And and so you know it just means you have to I have to you know give up food. <laughs> not well, too happy about that, but you know, well, gotta-
0: you know, one of the things that I'm that I believe in. Um, uh, and have, and I think are, are, are working diligently to articulate, especially through this platform and, in in the things that I talk about now is that I believe that for us to get out of this health rut that we are in as a society and as a nation, that we need to be a lot more transparent about what's in our food supply yes. um, and and stop, you know, I, 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 I had an, an amazing conversation with, with, uh, the environmental working group, Crop Life America, which represents the pesticide industry and a dietitian. We all talked about pesticides and food. And I made the claim and made the statement: why don't we just start labeling? Why don't we, if, if, if pesticides are okay and everybody's fine with using them, why not just confront them head on and let people know what's in their food? Why don't we just start to educate people? Because that's how we're going to change things. I believe we start with our kids, we start working with better food in the school systems, you know, getting them on that track and letting them understand the difference between, you know, fat, sugar, and salt and what it all is. And then start putting on, it's like, why not? If, you know, look, if, 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 you know, put Roundup, if you're using it around your farm, it's on your crop. Great. Tell people about it. Let them make the choice that says, well, maybe I don't I, want that.
1: Right. Well, there's a lot. In fact, can I read? It's about a paragraph I, or so.
0: You can but read whatever the hell you want, girl.
1: It, it's about how do we resolve some of this? Because mm-hmm. it's not just one thing. It's a combination of so many factors. So I just want to read because that that was, that was going through my mind. Um, Making vibrant wellness a national priority requires new initiatives within a consortium across all arenas impacting health incomes. Imagine what would manifest nationally throughout participation in a top priority health commitment, a collective vision, mission, and purpose. This may sound unrealistic, yet if we are to create a nation of energized, healthy citizens, then participation of all parts related and the whole is essential. And then we need to look at our schools, our healthcare facilities, our policymakers, our regulators, our insurance companies, our food producers, the consumer product manufacturers, advertisers, media, and others in vital. It would help create an interconnected web of health promotion, production, environmental oversight, and more. It would promote and provide the healthiest of foods available at home, in restaurants, hospitals, and other institutions offer environmentally safe products and systems to protect the environment, provide revolutionary healing modalities, promote inspiring messaging regarding positive lifestyle choices, and more. Adopting such a shared vision through uniting together would be transformational.
0: I 100% agree with everything that you have just said. It absolutely would, and we're afraid to do it. And I I think because it's become such a big business to, to... Life has become a very big business. Right, right, and I so so. Why do you think that that you know? And I said this in the opening, and I stand by it now. Functional medicine should be a part of everybody's insurance policy. It should be a part of what is into all that's being taught to the upcoming doctors and uh, and, and medical professionals are coming in. It needs to be a part of the curriculum. It doesn't need to be a two day lecture on it. It needs to be really, really studied and a part of a, a long process of, of how to better yes. help. Why isn't functional medicine more integrated into our healthcare
1: system? Um, well, that's, uh, kind of a, <laughs> a, that's a tough one, but I'll, I'll tell you, um, the experience of not that without insurance, um, to cover it, this leaves a lot of people outside of the ability to access functional medicine because that's it's expensive.
0: Correct. Right.
1: Okay. I mean, and, and not just a few dollars, it, it can be very expensive. it can be
0: very expensive.
1: And, and yet if you want answers and this is why I promote one of the things in, in, in my book, The Revelation. If you want answers right now, that's where you're gonna get them. Yeah. And unfortunately, not everyone has access to that. Yeah. So, no, the current system is it will look at you know the labs and the consultations and things from conventional, but functional, no. Um, maybe an occasional lab might be paid, um, but but no, uh, it's, it's a system that is not workable. And this is why I promote uh, a paradigm shift. We need a paradigm shift. to it, Dealing with all these factors that we're dealing with, with all these, the toxins, there's not, you know, I have another, <laughs> this is another thing from my book, but it's, and it's backwards, I guess, but it's inflammation, all these things that are causing inflammation. Right. We've got to address those or we're gonna to continue to, um, to just fire up all these chronic illnesses. And I think the Institute of Functional Medicine has something on their website that mm-hmm. says 86% of, of illnesses are chronic illnesses. Yeah. And, and if we're not addressing those from root cause, we're just perpetuating Waiting a system along. that's not going to really heal. Well,
0: uh, I, I think the system wants it to be perpetuated. I think the system has become, again, it's become very big business. I mean, you have how many insurance companies own, how many hospitals, how many hospitals own, you know, how many of those insurance companies own all the laboratories? Where does big pharma play into it? It's, it, you know, say what you want. It's a freaking racket, right? And we're all the guinea pigs in this racket. And it's because it's because people are just accept, you know, we I hate to say it, but a lot of times we're sheep looking for a shepherd out there. And I think it's really dangerous when it comes to our health. I think it's dangerous comes to our food. And it needs to be these conversations like we're having need to be out in the ethos for people to start asking questions of their own life and what their doctors are.
1: And there's a a quote that I have in my book, but it really talks about at no other time have we had to be so proactive in our education, because if we're not, um, you know, we're just going to go down and go, okay, I guess I have to take this for a while and whatever. When in fact, I mean, my realization was, oh my God, had had we known about toxicity and the fact that you can look for these things if you're testing for them, you, you could take a very preventive and proactive approach to your healthcare. But if you don't know about them, you know, right. then these situations can get out of hand. Uh, which is which is really what happened to Rexy, who so was too far down the inflammatory pathway to to really bring him back um, yeah. and i
0: and, and your point about the cost it's 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 crazy it is what it is i mean it, and, and and it's unfortunate but it is incredibly expensive so when you think about communities that are already underserved you think about communities that have high rates of diabetes because of, of what's in the bodega you have high rates of heart disease you have high rates of a lot of different issues all of which aren't even being talked about inside those communities as ways to heal. As if you did this, you might not be able to have to take that any longer. We need to switch it. That integration needs to come. And what's frightening to me, when I got into Alzheimer's, I got into toxic Alzheimer's and what Rick went through in your journey and what you went through. Alzheimer's and related dementia costs could hit. $2 Two trillion dollars
1: twenty thirty. Absolutely. trillion. That's it's, not a B, that's not an M. Yeah. That's a T. And and I look at I know the case where I was dealing with and thank thank goodness I had purchased, we had purchased long-term care insurance 18 months or so. Oh my god, you'd down. have been buried. Absolutely. Because the cost, and I mean, when you know, at first I, I had him home for about a about a year. And then um, a number of things happened, and his brain went, you know, he went in a whole different cycle. <laughs> and he had to be, um, you know, he had to be in assisted living, and then he had to be in memory care, and then he was in skilled nursing care. And I mean, it's ungodly expensive. And that, okay, I'm gonna bring up another thing, which was another revelation through our healthcare facilities. Look at what they're serving on trays.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: no, it's 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 um, I, I I it's almost like there's there's so much to know, but when you see it there on a tray and you see, oh my gosh, that's not going to be very healing for them, but no. um, you know, but that's that's well, what's getting offered. Industrial food you know. for
0: industrial medicine, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of people should not have now. I mean, the gluten is causing a lot of problems, uh, largely because of GMOs. And, yeah. um, and so that is firing up inflammation. And, and by again, making some dietary changes, sometimes we just have to bite the bullet, and we have to get off things that we really love to enjoy. But you know, you got to say, what, you know, I want, I want to be healthy, I want to be vibrant, or I'm going to have this croissant today.
0: Yeah, but but to that point, and I'm going to Bang this drum. The reason why we, we, we go, okay, I'm going to eat that is because our kids are brought up on sugar, salt, and fat. Yeah. That's where their palate is carved. Yes. Right. And and that's where the, the rubber meets the road. That's where the problem starts is that, you know, get them while they're young, make it appealing. It's no different than smoking. It's no different than anything else. Get them while they're young. And we got them when they get, you know, let's get them until they can't, you know, till we can't get them anymore. Right. Right. And it's dangerous. And I think that right. food is such an important part of all this and that. This change this embracing of our, you know, uh, uh, of of agriculture and what it can do for us. I mean, you want to fix the climate? Get smart about agriculture. You want to improve people's health? Get smart about agriculture. You want to change people's, you know, you want to change the the medicine side of things and and make functional medicine more part or more appealing? Start working with the damn food because so much, it it affects everybody. Food, water, and sun connects us all. Right,
1: Right? it does. Back to nature. Back to Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's there's just it's no. so powerful, and and again your story, your story is just it's amazing. I mean, it just it 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 it's it's I don't even know how it, it's got me speechless, right? Because I've gone through it with you, and I've talked with you multiple times. I've read, I've seen it. I've you know, I've heard it. It's 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 it shouldn't have happened. Let's go with that.
1: Well, it should it shouldn't have <laughs> happened, but it did. So now right. like, I learned, and so so actually again another piece of it was what another thing that i learned was that these a lot of the cognitive decline is now known to be reversible right. so that's the good news that came from this i mean once he he was given a dementia diagnosis um, after three and a half years i kind of resolved myself yes i knew it was caused by the, the toxicity, but okay, this is what it ended up and that's what it is. And so I, he continued to do the detoxification, but it's like, I said, okay, I, it, it, to me, it was irreversible at that point. Right. Now, what I learned through Dr. Bredesen's research is that patients that have cognitive decline and you know not able to drive and other things, they, they do the lifestyle medicine, they, they eat the right foods, they exercise, they do you know, social interaction and everything, and their, their brains are coming back. And they've yeah. got lots of testimonials now.
0: Well, and I mean, it goes it, back to what I said, the body wants to heal itself. It's what it's, it's designed it to do.
1: Right. But we've been told again, it's looking at a narrative. We've been told it's irreversible. And so another, a me- positive message that I come with. And that is they now know that you can reverse it by, by digging down. And by the way, um, there are, there's a recommended test again, right now it's a functional test, but wouldn't it be great if that's integrated into, um, conventional, into our regular health care? And that is something that Dr. Bredesen calls a cognoscopy, so that it's recommended about the age of forty-five that you, you know, have an assessment, and it it checks for you know um, various things, blood work, and it can include a volumetric MRI. And I I had one done. And it was most enlightening <laughs> um, to, to see like, well, wait a minute, you know, I, you know, kind of make excuses for some of the things, but, um, but now they know if, if you can take that and they're able to address those particular things, There's what Dr. Brederson says, at least at, at one point, it was 36 different root causes that can contribute to cognitive decline. And, um, so if you address those, you don't have to go through the inflammatory pathway. You, right. get, you get your health destiny back. And I'm about saving health destinies. You know, we don't want to go down this way. You know, we look oh. at those, you know, the statistics you talk about and the the horror of that. It's collateral damage. That's another thing that came, you know, from, from the journey is the collateral damage of the financial impact of that. I mean, I was scrambling through, you know, trying to get answers to functional, but both my husband and I, we were independent consultants. There was no one picking up the tab for us. Right. And and so, and then the other thing is not having a diagnosis. There's a lot of misdiagnosis that goes on, not having a specific diagnosis other than for a while, it was like, you know, he had some depression or he had some other things, or, you know, some people thought he was bipolar. And he lost his colleagues, his colleagues, because his behavior became weird. Right. He had, you know, I, I did a lot to preserve his his reputation, but after a while, he destroyed it because right. of a bad brain. So in Ooh. all that, if I, if I had known what I was dealing with, but I didn't know for a long time what I was dealing with, and then it wasn't validated, and that's where Dr. Bredesen's research in his end of Alzheimer's um, it validates the toxic aspect of, of um, toxic Alzheimer's. Yeah. And, and that was so critical because throughout the entire 12 years, his, all this toxicity, while I knew it and all these biomarkers confirmed it and research was showing things, it was still not validated. And so I was, I was really on my own <laughs> trying to figure it out. Well,
0: and you know what? And that's, that's, I think that's to me is incredibly sad. The feeling of being all on your own. I felt that with my son. I was on, I'll never forget. I'll never forget coming home and getting on the Google machine for three hours, trying to figure out how I was going to save my son's life, helpless, trying to find somebody that would absolutely, that would listen. And if I've done it, somebody else has done it. You've done it. Other people. and, And the thing is, is that we shouldn't have to do that. We should in the, in this great country, Right. With all that we have, let alone take away take away all the stuff that we waste and the stupid things that we do, that all that we have, we're still stuck in you know we're still stuck in second gear trying to be healthy and trying to be a healthy nation right. and try to live a healthy lifestyle. And quite frankly, I think a lot of it has to do with capitalism. I think a lot of it has to do with the money that's being generated is made by let's do this because it's better. And I think you go back and you look at the GMO argument, you look at the pesticide issue, right. all Artificial of it, fits, sweeteners. it all yep. fits everywhere. Yeah. Right. Let me ask you this. And, and, you know, what advice would you give someone today that you wish you'd gotten at the beginning of all this journey?
1: Wow. (laughs) Um, What advice, first of all, you got to learn, I think, about not accepting just what you hear,
0: just what,
1: what information they say, this is the diagnosis and you have to just go, hmm maybe that's what you're seeing, but I'm not so sure that's what it was. So I think being proactive in terms of that, um, there's different phases of this too, as I, I, I would really look at the root causes of functional, you gotta go functional. Yeah. Um, in, in order to really, if, if you know, I was intent, I this because it didn't make sense of what happened to my most grounded guy and and so by finding out the root cause. And so people, when they find out the root cause, I think it gives you such insights that you didn't have before. And so definitely exploring, exploring root causes um, are important. And then regarding the dementia, you have to know that there's different types of dementias out there. But my husband, Damn. my husband could probably still could still have played somewhat of a game of trivial pursuit. That part of his brain wasn't what went. It was his executive function and his ability to make good choices um, and crazy-making behavior. That's all I can say. It was totally oh, yeah. Crazy. Sure. So, um, so
0: powerful. I you got to
1: know, you know what you're dealing with.
0: 100%. I mean, what a powerful story. Um, you know, and all I can think of, from this that you shared is is for people to ask their insurance companies ask their employers ask whoever their representatives are why they can't get functional medicine into their insurance and if you don't get a good answer call your representative call your congressman call, ask your senator Say so why can't this be a part you know you guys are regulating everything else we're trying to do in the world why can't we get this to be a part of the conversation why can't we get some support and help on curing some of these things rather than just keep throwing medicine at a symptom and not getting to the root cause
1: It is my personal belief that we're going to be seeing some changes in our healthcare system. Um, I can't say when, but I think it's become obvious now there's more and more doctors that are recognizing that um, the tools that they were using aren't effective in treating the illnesses, the chronic illnesses of today. And, and I think there is going to be a push um, because people you can't deny these transformations no. the, you know and um and so i think we are going to see that i don't oh. know when but i do believe um there's there's new things that um you know uh, different healing frequencies and kind of things that may seem woo woo right now but i think we're going to be looking at you know light i talk about some of these evolving technologies yeah and um they've they've shown that uh the light therapy on um on vets um uh, really has been healing,
0: Correct. and
1: so I think we're gonna see there's there's more things that are down the road for us so that while we're frustrated right now. I think we are going to be experiencing major changes that will help to support vibrant lives, really critical uh, you know again our kids kids health is is not what it was either um, no
0: I, I i agree with you i think that there are changes and i, th- I think we're coming out of the pandemic i think it opened up to people's eyes to maybe being a little less accepting of what they hear and be a little more open minded to asking questions or getting more involved and and to, you know to really say is that is that really the right thing to do right. and why right. i think it's incredibly important what's next for you on your journey i mean you were out here you know talking about your book, you're out changing the world, you're opening up people's eyes. I think, you're, I think your conversation we've had today is incredibly impactful. It impacted me before we even had the conversation. And I think it's gonna impact people on the other end of this as well. So what's next?
1: Uh, right now I'm just promoting the message. Um, I, I believe, but beyond this, see um, throughout my entire career, it's I, I see something that I think needs more information, needs to be explored. Um, consumers need to understand more. And I go after it. And uh, so I'm not quite sure. But I think there's so much happening now, and particular, this whole area of what we're eating and seeing what's happening to our food system, that we do have to make some major changes. So
0: I don't disagree. You're not going to get you're not going to get an argument with me on that.
1: Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, we do. And I-, I love
0: it. <laughs> Well, Eat I, organic. I,
1: that's, I mean, I got it all through my book, you know, it's, yep. it's so important to, to, to do the right thing to minimize, we have to look at minimizing our risks. So right. what can we do? We know we live in this toxic world or in a toxic stew. What can we do? And so that's where we have to look at the food that we're eating. You know um, what are we eating our food on? You know, look at, uh, what are we cooking our food with? You know, uh, there's so many toxic, things that are used in pots and pans and other things. Um, Looking at um, how can we reduce our risk for, you know, um, toxicity in the air, mold exposure, uh, air purifiers. You know, we just have to be just thinking, how can I, knowing that this exists, not burying our head in the sand. Okay, we live in a toxic world, that's a given. Okay, there's some things that you're willing to do, maybe some things you're not willing to do. But um, the more that you can embrace reducing the toxicity, reducing the infl- inflammation in your body is going to enhance your health tremendously.
0: 100% agree. Yeah, I, it, it's a great a great message for people to take away from all that we've talked about. And I can't recommend your book enough. I hope, you know, A Toxic Brain, Revelations from a health journey is a great read. It will, it will open your eyes. It'll scare you a little bit, but the bottom line issue is it's going to make you think. And I think that's where we have to start getting these conversations is we've got to start getting people to think about them and how does it relate to their own life and how does it affect me and why does it affect me and should it affect me and should I be concerned? And what are the simple things that I can do to make a difference? And I think you brilliantly shared that with everybody. you shared from your heart, the experience that you went through, which like you said, is a long arduous journey that you went through with Rick. It is, it's, it's, it's again, I'm speechless trying to come up with words for it. It's just, it's an overwhelming experience to sit through that book that you've written. And I hope that people well, thank pick it up.
1: And I mean, that's, that was my pay it forward. That was, yeah. that well, was you're... my gift. That's actually Rick's gift because that was his favorite, one of his favorite Movies was pay it forward. The idea of something happens, someone gives you something, and you pay it forward to someone else. And so this was a collection of kind of the things that I learned, the puzzle pieces that did come together for me, um, uh, and and to share that so that and I have heard. I mean the the wonderful thing is that i have heard from people and they said oh my gosh i did go to a functional doctor they found this right you now i'm now feeling better i'm not in pain i'm not you know it's like yes i know it's right. you know. so powerful
0: it is, it is. awesome I just thank wanna, you i just noticed
1: you know we switched we switch computers <laughs> I yeah just, i know it's good I know. it's I got, got I my daughter's name it's got
0: your daughter's name on it it's all right we're Trust me, they're going to know who you are. I'm going to make darn sure that people know who you are through our our promotion, social media, and everything else. Don't worry about that. That's tiny on the screen. Don't worry about that. That will be fine. But thank you for being here. I really appreciate you. Uh, Thank you for being who you are. And thank you for sharing your journey. And thank you for the love you're putting out there in the world, right? Love and kindness, as we opened up the show with, right? You're putting a lot of love out in the world for people. And the thing that you're doing, and I think it's so important that. I hope everybody grasps is that you're loving people in the world with this story that you are never, ever going to meet. And I think that's a powerful thing when you give yourself that runway. You're trying to heal yourself. You're trying to teach. You're trying to educate. You're trying to share your experiences and giving advice where it needs to be based upon the circumstance that you went through. So it's incredibly powerful. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Much, much love from me to you. And I just, I love hanging out with you, which I'm going to do after we're done with this and turn the okay. camera off. <laughs> and then I do it just to really appreciate it. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Pick up this book, open your minds, ask questions. I'm telling you, the power to help yourself is literally inside your brain and you can do it. And this is a great read to help you walk that path. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Go inspire somebody today like Sandy's inspired me to think and change and and open my mind up to different ideas of what it's going to be. And that's how we're going to change today, folks. Love and kindness is going to help, but Sandy's book's a big part of it too. Trust me. Thanks for being here. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Don.